This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Anti-Federalist Papers Anti-Federalist No. 7 Federal Farmer No. 5 Letters from the Federal Farmer to the Republican Letter No. 5 October 13, 1787 Dear Sir, Thus I have examined the Federal Constitution as far as a few days' leisure would permit. It opens to my mind a new scene. Instead of seeing powers cautiously lodged in the hands of numerous legislators and many magistrates, we see all important powers collecting in one center, where a few men will possess them almost at discretion. And instead of checks in the formation of the government to secure the rights of the people against the usurpations of those they appoint to govern, we are to understand the equal division of lands among our people, and the strong arm furnished them by nature and situation, are to secure them against these usurpations. If there are advantages in the equal division of our lands, and the strong and manly habits of our people, we ought to establish governments calculated to give duration to them, and not governments which can never work naturally till that equality of property, and those free and manly habits, shall be destroyed. These evidently are not the natural basis of the proposed Constitution. No man of reflection and skilled in the science of government can suppose these will move on harmoniously together for ages, or even for fifty years. As to the little circumstances commented upon by some writers with applause, as the age of a representative, of the president, etc., they have, in my mind, no weight in the general tendency of the system. There are, however, in my opinion, many good things in the proposed system. It is founded on elective principles, and the deposits of power in different hands is essentially right. The guards against those evils we have experienced in some states in legislation are valuable indeed, but the value of every feature in this system is vastly lessened for the want of that one important feature in a free government, a representation of the people. Because we have sometimes abused democracy, I am not among those men who think a democratic branch a nuisance, which branch shall be sufficiently numerous to admit some of the best-informed men of each order in the community into the administration of government. While the radical defects in the proposed system are not so soon discovered, some temptations to each state, and to many classes of men to adopt it, are very visible. It uses the democratic language of several of the state constitutions, particularly that of Massachusetts, the eastern states will receive advantages so far as the regulation of trade, by a bare majority, is committed to it. Connecticut and New Jersey will receive their share of a general impost. The middle states will receive the advantages surrounding the seat of government. The southern states will receive protection and have their Negroes represented in the legislature, and large back countries will soon have a majority in it. This system promises a large field of employment to military gentlemen and gentlemen of the law, and in case the government shall be executed without convulsions, it will afford security to creditors, to the clergy, salarymen, and others depending on money payments. So far as the system promises justice and respectable advantages, in these respects it ought to be supported by all honest men but whenever it promises unequal and improper advantages to any particular states, or orders of men, it ought to be opposed. 
I have in the course of these letters observed that there are many good things in the proposed Constitution, and I have endeavored to point out many important defects in it. I have admitted that we want a federal system, that we have a system presented which, with several alterations, may be made a tolerably good one. I have admitted there is a well-founded uneasiness among creditors and mercantile men. In this situation of things you ask me what I think ought to be done. My opinion in this case is only the opinion of an individual, and so far only as it corresponds with the opinions of the honest and substantial part of the community is it entitled to consideration. Though I am fully satisfied that the state conventions ought most seriously to direct their exertions to altering and amending the system proposed before they shall adopt it, yet I have not sufficiently examined the subject or formed an opinion how far it will be practicable for those conventions to carry their amendments. As to the idea that it will be in vain for those conventions to attempt amendments, it cannot be admitted. It is impossible to say whether they can or not until the attempt shall be made, and when it shall be determined by experience that the conventions cannot agree in amendments, it will then be an important question before the people of the United States whether they will adopt or not the system proposed in its present form. This subject of consolidating the states is new, and because forty or fifty men have agreed in a system to suppose the good sense of this country an enlightened nation must adopt it without examination, and though in a state of profound peace, without endeavoring to amend those parts they perceive are defective, dangerous to freedom, and destructive of the valuable principles of republican government, is truly humiliating. It is true there may be danger in delay, but there is danger in adopting the system in its present form, and I see the danger in either case will arise principally from the conduct and views of two very unprincipled parties in the United States. Two fires between which the honest and substantial people have long found themselves situated. One party is composed of little insurgents, men in debt who want no law and who want a share of the property of others. These are called levelers, shayites, etc. The other party is composed of a few but more dangerous men with their servile dependents. These avariciously grasp at all power and property. You may discover in all the actions of these men an evident dislike to free and equal government, and they will go systematically to work to change essentially the forms of government in this country. These are called aristocrats, monarchites, etc. Between these two parties is the weight of the community, the men of middling property, men not in debt on the one hand and men on the other content with republican governments and not aiming at immense fortunes, offices, and power. In 1786 the little insurgents, the levelers, came forth, invaded the rights of others, and attempted to establish governments according to their wills. Their movements evidently gave encouragement to the other party, which in 1787 has taken the political field, and with its fashionable dependence and the tongue and the pen is endeavoring to establish in great haste a politer kind of government. These two parties, which will probably be opposed or united as it may suit their interests and views, are really insignificant, compared with the solid, free, and independent part of the community. It is not my intention to suggest that either of these parties and the real friends of the proposed Constitution are the same men. 
The fact is, these aristocrats support and hasten the adoption of the proposed constitution, merely because they think it is a stepping-stone to their favorite object. I think I am well founded in this idea. I think the general politics of these men support it, as well as the common observation among them. That the proffered plan is the best that can be got at present, it will do for a few years, and lead to something better. The sensible and judicious part of the community will weigh carefully all these circumstances. They will view the late convention as a respectable assembly of men. America probably will never see an assembly of men of a like number more respectable. But the members of the convention met without knowing the sentiments of one man in ten thousand in these states, respecting the new ground taken. Their doings are but the first attempts in the most important scene ever opened. Though each individual in the state conventions will not, probably, be so respectable as each individual in the federal convention, yet as the state conventions will probably consist of fifteen hundred or two thousand men of abilities, and versed in the science of government, collected from all parts of the community and from all orders of men, it must be acknowledged that the weight of respectability will be in them. In them will be collected the solid sense and the real political character of the country. Being revisers of the subject, they will possess peculiar advantages. To say that these conventions ought not to attempt, coolly and deliberately, the revision of the system, or that they cannot amend it, is very foolish and very assuming. If these conventions, after examining the system, adopt it, I shall be perfectly satisfied, and wish to see men make the administration of the government an equal blessing to all orders of men. I believe the great body of our people to be virtuous and friendly to good government, to the protection of liberty and property, and it is the duty of all good men, especially of those who are placed as sentinels to guard their rights, it is their duty to examine into the prevailing politics of parties, and to disclose them, while they avoid exciting undue suspicions, to lay facts before the people which will enable them to form a proper judgment. Men who wish the people of this country to determine for themselves, and deliberately to fit the government to their situation, must feel some degree of indignation at those attempts to hurry the adoption of a system, and to shut the door against examination. The very attempts create suspicions, that those who make them have secret views, or see some defects in the system, which in the hurry of affairs they expect will escape the ye of a free people." What can be the views of those gentlemen in Pennsylvania who precipitated decisions on this subject? What can be the views of those gentlemen in Boston who countenanced the printers in setting up the press against a fair and free investigation of this important system in the usual way? The members of the convention have done their duty. Why should some of them fly to their states, almost forget a propriety of behavior, and precipitate measures for the adoption of a system of their own making? I confess candidly, when I consider these circumstances in connection with the unguarded parts of the system I have mentioned, I feel disposed to proceed with very great caution, and to pay more attention than usual to the conduct of particular characters. If the Constitution presented be a good one, it will stand the test with a well-informed people. All agreed there shall be state conventions to examine it, and we must believe it will be adopted unless we suppose it is a bad one or that those conventions will make false divisions respecting it. I admit improper measures are taken against the adoption of the system as well as for it. All who object to the plan proposed ought to point out the defects objected to, and to propose those amendments 
with which they can accept it, or to propose some other system of government, that the public mind may be known, and that we may be brought to agree in some system of government, to strengthen and execute the present, or to provide a substitute. I consider the field of inquiry just opened, and that we are to look to the state conventions for ultimate decisions on the subject before us. It is not to be presumed that they will differ about small amendments, and lose a system when they shall have made it substantially good. But touching the essential amendments, it is to be presumed the several conventions will pursue the most rational measures to agree in and obtain them, and such defects as they shall discover and not remove, they will probably notice, keep them in view as the groundwork of future amendments, and in the firm and manly language which every free people ought to use will suggest to those who may hereafter administer the government that it is their expectation that the system will be so organized by legislative acts, and the government so administered, as to render those defects as little injurious as possible. Our countrymen are entitled to an honest and faithful government, to a government of laws and not of men, and also to one of their choosing. As a citizen of the country, I wish to see these objects secured, and licentious, assuming, and overbearing men restrained, if the constitution or social compact be vague be vague and unguarded then we depend wholly upon the prudence wisdom and moderation of those who manage the affairs of government or on what probably is equally uncertain and precarious the success of the people oppressed by the abuse of government in receiving from it the hands of those who abuse it and placing it in the hands of those who will use it well in every point of view therefore in which i have been able as yet to contemplate this subject I can discern but one rational mode of proceeding relative to it, and that is to examine it with freedom and candor, to have state conventions some months hence, which shall examine coolly every article, clause, and word in the system proposed, and to adopt it with such amendments as they shall think fit. How far the state conventions ought to pursue the mode prescribed by the federal convention of adopting or rejecting the plan in toto, I leave it to them to determine." our examination of the subject hitherto has been rather of a general nature the republican characters in the several states who wish to make this plan more adequate to secure of liberty and property and to the duration of the principles of a free government will no doubt collect their opinions to certain points and accurately define those alterations and amendments they wish if it shall be found they essentially disagree in them the conventions will then be able to determine whether to adopt the plan as it is, or what will be proper to be done. Under these impressions, and keeping in view the improper and unadvisable lodgment of powers in the general government, organized as it at present is, touching internal taxes, armies, and militia, the elections of its own members, causes between citizens of different states, etc., and the want of a more perfect bill of rights, etc., I drop the subject for the present, and when I shall have leisure to revise and correct my ideas respecting it, and collect into points the opinions of those who wish to make the system more secure and safe, perhaps I may proceed to point out particularly for your consideration the amendments which ought to be engrafted into this system, not only in conformity to my own, but the deliberate opinions of others you will with me perceive that the objections to the plan proposed may by a more leisure examination be set in a stronger point of view especially the important one 
that there is no substantial representation of the people provided for in a government in which the most essential powers, even as to the internal police of the country, is proposed to be lodged. I think the honest and substantial part of the community will wish to see this system altered, permanency and consistency given to the Constitution we shall adopt, and therefore they will be anxious to apportion the powers to the features and organization of the government, and to see abuse in the exercise of power more effectually guarded against. It is suggested that state officers, from interested motives, will oppose the Constitution presented. I see no reason for this. Their places in general will not be affected, but new openings to offices and places of profit must evidently be made by the adoption of the Constitution in its present form. Yours, and etc., the Federal Farmer. End of Federalist Number 7